So have you started previews yet? Two previews, and we had our first preview. It was the weirdest week because normally there's much more of a build-up, but we we were still in the rehearsal room on Monday, and then we had a two-day tech, and then two dresses and two previews all in one week. Gosh, it's like it's amazing. But then it's it's such an interesting play because it's an hour and a quarter straight through, um, but the level of concentration, I think even though physically we're not very active. So it's not like we're charging around, sort of sweating and validating our <laughs> occupational choice by sort of running around like loons. But this is, it's just, a, it's a marathon of concentration. And I don't know why it feels like that, but we're all knackered. So yeah, two previews in and then we don't, but we don't press until Tuesday week. Yes, yes. So yeah. I'll be there, I'll okay. be there for Marjorie Prime at the Mini Chocolate Factory. But I can't review it. I did say I felt that as we did podcast together, yeah. I really couldn't review it in all conscience. I yeah, felt yeah. a bit too close because obviously, but I will give yeah. on the podcast. My friend on the stage. Yes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Look at my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. But I will, of course, be reporting my very strong feelings about it on the podcast. Yeah, when we yeah. Next obviously. But uh, yeah, so it's quite exciting. Yeah, it is. And we had the writer in last night as well. He'd come from New York, which was sort of um, lovely, but also utterly terrifying. You know, you have the microscope of the of the director and then the microscope of, yeah. the, of the writer as well. But, you know, it's all good. And every, there's a lot of love in the room. It's just making it work, really. Yeah, and it must be hard for writers sort of coming, especially if they've come in reasonably late in the process. I mean, yeah. if you're in the rehearsal room all the time, yes. I guess that's a different feeling. But, but coming in and seeing something that you've written sometime previously yeah. on a stage. Absolutely. I mean, quite... it's the British premiere, but he's seen tons and tons of various productions and I think even when we zoomed him when he was still in New York he said that his husband who's a director had directed a few different productions including one in Sweden gosh because we were talking about the nature of you know if a play isn't from where it's being produced what do the cultural shifts make a difference in in the interpretation as much as we're trying to replicate American naturalism you know how much of our innate Britishness is in the playing of it in a way that we couldn't ever possibly really understand or shift. So that's quite interesting. It is interesting. And you do, I always feel that when I go and watch um, plays in America, there is a, there is a level of naturalism that, that I can't really think I've ever seen British actors quite get. I remember seeing Ethan Hawke in some Chekhov and it was just like he'd just walked in from, you know, having breakfast around the corner and was on the stage. It was extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah how relaxed he was and how sort of in, he was Vanya. Oh, really? Oh, in God, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, he was lovely. I yeah. Mean, it was lovely and the whole production was lovely. And yeah, but you just felt that kind of level of complete naturalism, which some British actors don't. But it's really ironic have. though, isn't it? In as much as, you know, the, the sort of cliche of, the, of Britishness around the world is, is that we're very understated, you know, and that we, we are quite self-deprecating and... You know, that we're not sort of out there yeah. in the way that the cliche of Americans, you know, is almost more European in that way. It's, it is all sort of, it's all, veneer feels a bit harsh. I don't mean veneer, but there's that sort of front-footed push forward to, to, that you know when somebody is in the room. And we've talked about that, even with Jordan as well. But it, But there is something, as you say, about Americanism on stage that is a sort of subsuming of of emotion which means then you have choice moments where then that 
those cracks reveal themselves. Yeah, but yeah. controlling that or or having some um, sense of of control as one wants in a in a show to be able to repeat it every night is is seems to be a, a tough exercise for us. I, I don't know or me particularly. Um, being completely sure, you're brilliant. No, no, no. I feel <laughs> it's it's. And I'm not, I'm not sort of being falsely humble or anything like that. I, I it's, it's tough, and it, and it's, it's been a bit of a sort of scraggy climb to work out what that is, and how to do it, uh, in a way that serves the play. And and anyway, you'll see it. You'll see yeah, it. And, um, it's so exciting. It is really interesting. So before we get too far in, yes, let's sorry, say, sorry. We ought to say, um, welcome to this week's episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic with me. The critic, Sarah Crompton. And with me, the actress, Nancy Carroll. And oddly enough, I went to see a play this week where there was one of those hugely naturalistic performances from um, a, a really young actor called um, uh, Bucke Bakre, who was in the most amazing... She was sort of discovered yeah. in a film, Sarah Gavron's film, Rocks. Oh, yeah, Which amazing. was an extraordinary film about... Um, or based in a in a South London sixth form, and it was one of those films that just completely took you by surprise. And one of the yeah. very very nice things, she's in Sleepover, um, at the Bush Theatre, and one of the lovely things was at the end. Yeah, she realised as I did at the same time because I was sort of sitting on the side. It's in the round, and I was on the side that the entire cast of Rocks were there in the front row. They were all watching oh, her wow. and cheering her on. Yeah, yeah. And um, she was absolutely sort of, well, the whole play is a real joy and actually is going to sort of provide our theme this week. But what was interesting about her, possibly because she has come from a film background, I wonder if it is that. She yes. gives a performance that it is again as if she's just stepped in yeah. from, you know, East London and... She's so natural and so completely. I mean, obviously, it's a performance because it's very different than what she did in Rocks. Yeah, yeah. But you just feel her, yeah, naturalness, just being on a stage. Yes, yes. It's a real pleasure to see it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really. It's, she's in a really good play called Sleepover by Matilda Faisayo Ibini, who um, isn't a, an act. A writer that I knew before, and yeah. it's about four um, teenage girls going to the local Catholic school and growing up. You see them between the ages of sixteen and eighteen, and yeah. it's just such a pleasure. It's it's told through a number of sleepovers and oh, a amazing. prom. Yeah, yeah, and it's just the events in their lives, and it it's a real joy. It's got great energy. It's got loads of ideas, and it's got a kind of truthfulness. And what struck me watching it was how rarely on a stage still, yeah, you see a story about women's lives and yes, young yes. girls' lives, and they encounter all the things that we all encounter in our lives, like illness and bereavement and wanting a boyfriend, and you know, yeah, yeah. And yet, just having them there, it feels, it still feels refreshing. I'm struck over and over again by how rarely, you know, you just get women centre stage. Yes, yes. And to be, and I suppose ordinary stories, yeah. you know, rather than it needing to be extraordinary in order to take up that space. Yeah. There's something about the normality of life that is just as important to see 
you know, told in front yeah, of you yeah. that validates your own isolating experience that's just as important for a woman, you know, when they're watching something normal like proms and boyfriends yeah, and all the rest of it. Exactly. And, and the catharsis of, of knowing that that's completely normal and all of those feelings are universal yeah. and the things that crucify you when you're growing up, like, will people fall in love with me? Will I find my place in the world? You know, is what's happening to my body okay? All that sort of stuff. It's it's so important and, and mm. but also entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> you know? fantastically entertaining and, you know, quite a mixed audience. And, and actually from the point of view of the bush, I think Lynette Linton is doing brilliantly the bush and she yeah. has encouraged so much new writing. And last year, the great hit was um, Red Pitch was a play about five, Lads growing up and oh, football. Yeah. So it was kind of almost, this felt almost like the balancing act. Yes, yes. But it, it came in a week when there was a report out saying on the GCSE, um, English and performing arts courses, yeah. only 2% of writers are women yeah, on those yeah, courses. Yeah. And in fact, that is basically Charlotte Bronte and Jane Austen. Yes, yes. And you just think, oh my goodness, what is happening? We've just got to do something yes. about um, women's voices being heard more in theatre and yeah. in performing arts and studied as being important yeah, in theatre. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you were saying that uh, Dominic Drumgold, who's your director, had, yeah. had has done his own bit towards this. Yeah, when he was at the Globe, he directed Blue Stocking by Jessica Swale and that was her one of her first plays, I think, yes. that she'd done, which was about the first women going into Cambridge in 1887, although they weren't able to achieve full honours, I think, until the 20s. Right. Um, but that was the, it was the story of these women. And um, what's amazing, what we were talking about, is that now, you know, at the time it was sort of groundbreaking and now it's set text. Right. Oh, right. So it is being used yeah, as set text. That's, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, because, of course, historically it's incredibly interesting yeah. and relevant as well because you've got the beginning of the suffragette movement and all of that, but it, but that it's brilliant writing, and you know. And I and it's, it opens up all sorts of questions about how important it is for, for kids to understand that the book in front of them on a you know Monday afternoon in double English or double drama or whatever is it has been written to be performed yeah. and I think if you don't go to the theatre as a regular thing you have no idea about what that is and it, and it and it's so important you know and I it's interesting we were talking very briefly just about the fact that you know unless you go to a really nice school that has lots and lots of money. You don't do science experiments yeah. anymore. If there is an experiment that takes place, it's the teacher does it at the front and everybody watches. Whereas when we were at school, um, you know, everybody had a Bunsen burner yeah. and you all wore masks and all wore, you know, I think they get to cut up bits of heart Ooh. and stuff like that. They were doing that <laughs> to, to look at the inside of a, a sheep's heart. But, it, but it, there's something about, I mean, I use the science thing as a metaphor. It's something about getting your hands dirty yeah. and actually going to a theatre and, you know, watching it performed and seeing it come off the page, you know, is everything yeah. about how you understand what that is and what it means and the power of language. And, you know, you have all these um, boxes to tick when you do your GCSE English or drama, but you have to write about structure and you have to write about metaphor and alliteration and, you know, whether you're doing poetry or whatever, you have to have all these buzzwords in your head. But they come from, 
something more three-dimensional yeah, you're actually seeing yes and 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 I think that's it's so hard if you don't have a background that has in you know had the privilege of being able to incorporate that into your periphery vision yeah it's it, it's really really hard to imagine what it is that this represents the well, words they, on this stage uh, on the page there is this huge irony at the moment that you know it is the independent and private schools that are ta- you know still have the money to do theater trips that still yeah, have the yeah. money to put on productions in in you know purpose-built drama vlogs i mean there yeah. is this terrible thing that somehow this idea has been that you know it isn't important to do drama that that English and drama aren't essentials for releasing all kinds of imaginative life in people and all kinds of actually skills. Because one of the things I do think about women playwrights and plays that centre on women is that one of the things that I've been reading about a lot recently and thinking about is that women are very often de-voiced, that they don't have, they find the hardest thing they find is actually speaking up about things because you know, sometimes they're not believed. I mean, I, I've been doing some reading about uh, 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 the reporting of abuse and the reporting of um, yeah, rape, essentially. And yeah. one of the problems about the reporting is not is not just plucking up the courage to do it, but this sense of embarrassment that people think they're, they're slightly embarrassed that somehow they've done something wrong wow. and then they aren't believed. And that increases the sense of embarrassment. And I think... I think it sounds really stupid and sort of a bit glib to say this, but actually one thing about seeing women on a stage speaking yes. is that it reminds you that you do have a voice and yeah. that you do get listened to. And um, I've I've got increasingly worried about how we don't study plays by women yes. and we don't perform them as a matter of course. You know, yeah, that you yeah. still, you know... And Inspector Calls has become one of the great set texts of GCSEs. Yes, yes. It's brilliant. But it's written by GBA Priestley. It was written in the 1930s. Yeah. You know, the women are all vulnerable in that play. Yeah, yeah. It, and and, and it, it increasingly bothers me that I feel that it's something that people should be making a real stand on. Yes. Um, because otherwise it won't change. Yeah, I know. And it, I mean, even, you know, this week with Tracy Ann Overman uh, playing Shylock and Alex Kingston having just played Prospero, it's still a coup. Yeah. It's, it's still like, ooh, interesting yeah. idea, yeah. women in the lead playing these parts. And yes, of course, that's because traditionally they are men's parts and Shakespeare wrote them for men. But it is that, why should it? You know, the same thing with Glenda Jackson playing Leah. Yes. You know, and nobody's taken up that mantle since. You're like, oh, well, that's Glenda Jackson. She can play Leah. Well, why not? Yeah. You know, where's Barbara Flynn's Leah? Or, you know, I mean, I don't, maybe she doesn't want to play Leah. But, but, you know, (laughs) whoever. But people are, you know, that we should be changing these uh, models and, and sort of cracking them open in order for that sort of, for the water to flow through yeah. the dam, yeah. not like oh well we've tried that let's let's leave that yes, for another decade. Yeah, and you're absolutely right that I think you know it is an event. You know, in in fact we haven't seen either of those productions, but reading the reviews, both Tracy Ann Overman and Alex Kinston have transformed the play by the nature of their presence, yeah. by how it then affects the relationship in both cases actually between a mother and 
a child rather than a father and a child. Yes. And making the language and everything live differently and yes. solving problems within the place. Yeah. So it is fascinating that that can happen. I think there is something but it definitely. it is still an event. It is an event. And I think that... Now, I mean, I don't know if you agree with this. And I'm putting, I'm sort of putting it out there, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think that we still have problems listening to women get angry. Yes. You know, there's something so deeply culturally squashed as an idea that anger is, you know, if a man is angry politically or, you know, um, domestically or whatever, you know, you if Prospero loses his what's it and or you know they think oh all power yeah. you know his great magical power on the island and you know and he's defending himself and what he, he, but if a woman does it is this is there a leap still to be made oh angry lady I, or yeah. you know um and and culturally it's not seen as powerful it's difficult you're mm -hmm. a diva you're making a fuss and uh, there is there is still an obstacle there that needs to be leveled off well, I think I, I think I've certainly said to you over coffee, I may have said in the podcast before that I am I am both amused and heartbroken that the nominee for Best Picture called Women Talking yeah. is the one that everybody admits has absolutely no chance really? of um, winning. I mean, of course, what will happen now is it will win, but I think it's highly unlikely to win. And it's had incredible trouble gaining traction within yeah, yeah. Um, both Hollywood and within cinemas because it's called Women Talking. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that is what it is. It is a film in which a group of women gather to decide what to do about a series of assaults on them. And there, there are three options. Uh, they can stay and put up with it, stay and fight or leave. And that's the discussion in the film. It's an utterly brilliant film directed by Sarah Polly. yeah. And why it's brilliant is it isn't a, it show it doesn't show the assaults except in sort of um, an almost little bits of flashback, right? But, but 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 kind of very understated flashback, and it does show women who are angry, who are worried, who are um, concerned, who are resigned, and they they gradually together work yes. out what to do about it. Yeah, and yeah. yet it's got no traction. And yet it's the most, to me, it's the most important examination of everything that's happened about since Me Too and about how you do deal with sexual violence. And it's a wonderful film and yeah. people aren't seeing it. No. And I think that is because of what you say. People, are, there is still a reluctance to, yeah, listen to those stories. Yeah. And it's sort of, it's still seen as sort of whining a bit or... Not whining because it isn't, and, they, and there's been real trauma at the centre of of the push to open up all these conversations. But it, but you know, I, I it, there is there is something that still has to shift fundamentally about the language around that, and 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 about you know, it's really interesting in the play that that there's this conversation about when I'm talking to my mother. And and she there's a line about well you always thought women should be women that they should be feminine, and then there's I um what it is we deem to be how women allowed to show strength yeah it's really really interesting we're constantly and still even after decades of having extraordinary women in power still defining ourselves still knocking down walls still you know and and I think 
you know that uphill struggle as you say is completely um represented in the in the lack of uh, of female playwrights you know being performed with female mm. leads and and uh, and then by virtue of that it, within the within the educational curriculum I, I it is shifting of course but how on earth you know like Michelle Obama is pushing all the time how do you inform the next generation of girls that they have the right yeah. that they have the right to tell their story that they have the right to feel equal that they have the right wherever they have come from whatever their education whatever their history whoever put them down or put obstacles in their way they have the right to step across and change their story and change the story for their daughters that's not the message that we're sending back no. you know and it's it's there's so much wrong, you know, and I mean, we've talked about all sorts of things. We've talked about how women are represented on stage. We've talked about, you know, the, the, all the, the chat around plastic surgery and, you know, people changing their faces. I mean, I had a conversation with um, one of the technical team last week and he'd said that he'd helped out with some casting um, and that there was a list of actresses who were being considered for this particular job. And one of the columns in this sort of spreadsheet was who had had work and who hadn't. No. And they were being encouraged to in employ the women who had had work because they were easier to light. And you and that's still going on. And, you know, 2023. And you sort of think, gosh, there's just there's so much that, you know, that that. that the sort of glass ceiling and the and the this sort of netting around how much we can explore our power yeah and and you know and ultimately what's so essential about female playwrights and female stories being told is that seems to be the only way that ultimately we're creating our own forums in order to tell those stories properly rather than knocking on the pre-existing doors and say, would you mind if I just came in and told you a story? I'll wait till four Yes. <laughs> if there's a gap. If you've got a nice window, once you've done all your very, very important talking, yeah. I'll just come in and I'll be very brief. I can talk very quickly. And we, and, and it is interesting as well, whenever I've played men or, or women in disguise as men, oh, yeah. and, and I've had, you know, brilliant, brilliant movement people um, saying, well, you know, this is how you change your energy in order to convince as a man on stage. The biggest thing is vocally, women talk with, I mean, this is a massive generalization, but they talk expecting to be interrupted. Yeah. Whereas a man will push through right. because he doesn't think for a second that anyone would dare. That's so interesting. I Can mean, it's massive generalization. No, but it, it, it is generally true that um, the Times uh, a couple of weeks ago ran a piece of um, 100 essential pieces of advice for living. And Catelyn Moran's one yeah. was that if you were a woman, any email you send, yeah. you should take off the first paragraph and the last paragraph because the first paragraph would say, I'm sorry to bother you. Yes. And the last paragraph would say, um, and I'm sorry for taking up your time. Yes, and yes. And if you took off those two paragraphs, then in fact what you would have would be the email that the man would have sent. And I thought that's so brilliant. It's absolutely and true. And she was greeted by this absolute rush of um, sort of adoration from women. Yeah. And I think actually that is why women, you know, the Globe has, uh, which is where Blue Stockings was on, yeah. has had a very good tradition in commissioning plays from women and putting them on. Yeah. And I do think that I have come to the view that there's no point in waiting people just have to do it 
now. And theatres really owe it to 50% of their audience, yeah, after yeah, yeah. all. And um, exam boards owe it to 50% of the people who are sitting exams. Yes. That they absolutely get a grip on this. Yeah. And start to say, they always say, oh, well, you know, there weren't any great women playwrights in the 18th and 19th centuries. Well, that's probably true. There, there are some interesting playwrights. But that doesn't explain why, for example, Carol Churchill isn't studied more in school. Yes, yes. Who is undoubtedly not only one of the great playwrights of our age, but also formally inventive, yeah. groundbreaking, fascinating, and puts both men and women centre stage, but and tells stories of England and everything. But she is, you know, she has a very uh, particular perspective. Yeah. It doesn't really explain why things like... Um, you know, I'd like to see lots of more modern plays revive, like Lucy Preble's Enron, which was yeah. about the world financial crisis, but written by a woman and with, you know, says, you know, women are up to date with finance yes, or whatever. Yes. Polly Stenham's That Face. These plays are brilliant. And yet they seem to appear once as a kind of flash. Yes. And then they don't get studied. They don't, you know, they're not revived enough, yes. in my opinion. Yeah. Lucy Kirkwood amazing play yeah 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 I, th I just feel that you know I, I really do feel enough is enough I, I went to a thing at the royal court and it must now be 10 years ago right and it was about the GCSE syllabus and it was about the complete absence of women and um actually also of writers of color right yeah, and of course hardly anything has happened since I think there are four one board has put four names yes. on. Yes. And you just think, oh, come on. We yeah, just yeah, yeah. so much need, um, yeah, just kind of a real push yeah. to really alter yeah. how uh, we view plays. I think, it, I mean, I think it, education does tend to sort of move at a snail pace. So snail. And, you know, that people like repetition. You know, there's comfort in repetition. There's comfort in being able to hand out the papers from last year to this year's GCSE students. And go, well, this is what happened last year. So there's a pretty good bet that you're safe if you'll do this as practice questions. So there's there's safety in that. You know, it also maybe it has to come from the teachers. Yeah. You know, in terms of maybe there's a there's a ten year gap in if you were trained at a particular point. But having said that. It's it's just being maverick, isn't it? And it's it's shaking people up, and the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, and know. I think a lot of teachers would like to yeah. shift it. I think I think it's a sort of fear of, I think it's a fear of redefining the canon. Yeah, I, I think a lot about look back in anger uh, yes. for obscure reasons, but um, mainly to criticism actually, because of course it was yeah. Tynan's kind of great review. And I think Look Back in Anger is a really important play. Yeah. I think there's no doubt it shifted things. Yes. But then you look at that play, which is studied widely, and its female character yeah. is doing the ironing yeah. for most of the play, yeah, yeah, yeah. is talked down to, yeah. and is, you know, indulges in silly little sort of sex games. And you think, well... I, I would like that not... Be, I, I don't mind it being taught as a sort of sociological, interesting, historical point. Yeah. But I would like it not to be regarded as canonic. Yeah. Uh, if if Carol Churchill's top girls 
isn't regarded yes, as yes, yes. You know, so I think there's, I just think, I don't know. I don't know how you start shouting more. And this is our shouting. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's also true of physical comedy on stage. That when you get things like, you know, one man, two governors or stuff like that, that level of farce, that level of comedy and noises off, of course. Yeah. That it is almost entirely true that the really, really funny physical work is done by men. Yeah. You know, you don't tend to get women throwing themselves downstairs. Yeah. You don't tend to get women throwing themselves through windows. And it's always that these sort of, you know, pseudo James Bond hilarious moments where they throw, throw themselves out over under things is always the men. Yeah. And when I did uh, the Duck House years and years ago with, with Terry Johnson, uh, we were doing in town at the, the uh, Vaudeville and there was one point where I wanted to vault over this sofa and he was like, no, 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 just run round it. And I said, I really think it's funnier to vault. Uh-huh. And, he, and he said, what's the problem? I said... I think it's important for feminism yeah. and British theatre that you let me vault over this <laughs> sofa. Because it is absolutely true that you would expect a man to do that, but you wouldn't expect a woman to do yeah. it. And he was like, all right, vault over the sofa. And he let me do it, and he was completely lovely about it. But it was a, a sort of moment I thought, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen a woman do some crazy physical move on stage. I mean, there must have been. And I've yeah. seen, phys- you know, female clowns and all that sort of stuff do fantastic stuff and you see it in circuses and all the rest of it. But in in those sorts of plays, traditionally, it's the men that are responsible. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and, and so they are then getting the big laugh. They are getting the... It's the big woof through the yeah. audience like that. It's just brilliant. But it's to do with... I guess, the physical strength that's required and expected of men versus women. And, and it, it's, not as, it's not as sort of black and white as that, of course. But it, it does, as you say, when it comes to moments like this, when you think, hang on a minute, yeah. if we had this conversation 10 years ago and nothing's actually shifted, then you think, well, actually, when you think about it, there's all sorts of quarters that this conversation should be happening yeah. and, it's, and it's not shifting quick enough. And I'm not banging the drum for the sake of it. It's the message that we're handing back to the next generation. How is it going to shift? If we, if we do have brilliant female playwrights, we've got a lot of brilliant uh, female writers for television and film, yeah. but it's not necessarily happening for the stage because the, the generation now that are leaving primary school and going to secondary school have no record of, you know, of, of somebody saying, you can do this too and your voice is important. Yeah, and, and I think the only the way you change it is to put more modern more modern plays into school curriculums because yeah. then you do get the women and not yeah. really worry about history. Yeah, yeah, Say yeah. history, you know, actually, history, women have been yes. subject to a patriarchy and the only way to change that and to alter things is to start giving them a voice. Yeah. And actually, having said all of this and bringing it to close, the other thing I saw this week was written by a man, by Willie Russell. Oh, yes. Who I think writes brilliant parts for women. Yes. And it's a monologue with Sheridan Smith as Shirley Valentine. Oh, yes, of course. And it's a superb little monologue because, well, big monologue, actually, it's whole evening. But it absolutely puts a woman centre stage who finds not love, but her life. Yeah. And what makes Shirley Valentine such a terrific piece of writing. Yes. And what had a whole sort of theatre eating out of its hand was that. It's about it's about 
it's about power and agency and not wasting life. Yes. And it was lovely to see. But it's also, I think it's interesting going back to um, the Michelle Obama pledge about women and, you know, listening to her talk to women to say all of those things that you do for nothing, the taking care of your families, the taking care of your elderly parents, you know, the having two or three jobs in order to make ends meet, making sure that people are eating well, making sure that people are clothed well, all that stuff that we do for nothing. That's not nothing. Yeah. You know, those are those are superpowers. That, you know, that there's so much that we do that we don't think is interesting. And I think, so people who say, oh, I'm not going to write anything about my life because I'm not interesting enough. Yeah. We, you know, with men, they've managed to make their normal lives, their normal thoughts, their normal everyday existence interesting on stage. But women don't have that confidence in a very, very general global way yeah. of saying their normal is interesting. You know, it's only when somebody flies solo across the world yes. or swims the channel or <laughs> writes several books or becomes the first senator or the first politician or the first whatever that that's, you know, that that's deemed to be interesting enough that we could potentially momentarily turn our heads to the right to hear that story. Yeah. You know, I was watching the trailer for Sarah Lancashire playing Julia uh, in uh, the HBO series about the, yes, uh, the yeah. cookery, Julia Child. Julia Child. Julia yeah. Child. And she's just brilliant because she's just absolutely brilliant. But, he, but what's, in, what's included in the trailer is somebody having to break down walls in order to be deemed to be interesting enough to change the mould. Yeah. And that's, and I think... You know, particularly for storytellers and, you know, Caitlin Moran does it, you know, all that sort of stuff and all the, the information that's the story that's changing around menopause and female anatomical journeys. All of that to say we all go through this and we all need to hear about it. And it's not a deeply unsexy subject that's so boring. Oh, gosh, so and so is going mm -hmm. on about this again. All of this really, really normal stuff needs to be brought into the center and go no 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 this is what everybody goes through therefore yeah. everybody wants to hear about yeah. it to feel less alone and isolated and that we're part of a, a female yeah community. when you think how many players we have watched about male midlife and late life crisis exactly I think that's exactly what we need I think that probably is a good yeah, point on which Waffling to end. On. No, sorry. not wobbling at all. Brilliant point to end. I just so apologise. I just apologise. <laughs> yeah, They're terrible. Yeah, so you must not apologise. No, no, I'm not going to do that. What we need is more women vaulting and yes. more women's voices. Yes. And, um, yeah, and I'm sure it's a subject that we will return to in subsequent yes, yes. episodes. Yes, absolutely, with no apology whatsoever. But for now, it's goodbye from me, Nancy Carroll, the actress. And goodbye from me, Sarah Crompton, the critic.